Who is God? It's a question that Ray Pritchard was asked as he was in the midst of a television interview for his ministry called Keep Believing. And as he fumbled for an answer, he thought, this is an important question and I have to give an important answer. And so he said, quote, God is an infinite, personal, eternal spirit who created the universe by his own power. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, and present everywhere at all times. And he exists eternally as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's a pretty good answer. But as he watched the interview later, he realized he didn't like anything except for the first two words. He liked it, but he thought it could have been summarized in two words. God is. At a sermon at a Promise Keepers rally, God is was the sermon title and the focus of the rally. After all, everything in the universe points to and comes from God. The preacher who was there, Dr. Hill, was right in this assumption, and he told them, he said, figure this out and you've got a handle on life. You've got all you need. Deny this and you will struggle. Either he's God or he isn't. Either he is, and it changes everything, or you can walk around lost and aimless. The voice from the burning bush told Moses to tell the people that I am has sent you. I am. God is. We want to connect to God in mighty and personal ways and in in ways as a church and as a congregation and as a people. And we want to hold on to it in a way that is is life-changing because we know God is, right? Amen? Amen. Making sure y'all are awake this morning. Prayer is our connection to talk to God. We are connected and We can go to him anytime. We don't have to have an appointment. That's the cool thing about God is you can talk to him anytime. You don't have to have another person there. You can think it. You can say it. You can have it on your heart. And God will hear it. Amidst all that God has going on, God will hear it. Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer. He taught it to the disciples And he taught it not just as a prayer that we have a rubric that we learn the words and we go every Sunday and say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is this going to be over soon? And, um, but he taught it because he wanted us to see just how deep a prayer could go. He made it simple because we're simple, but it has roots that will sustain you. He wants us to have a relationship, and we're going to dig in today to the first ten words. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's our scripture for today. It comes from Matthew chapter um, 6, verses 8 through 13. I'll, um, let's read it together. It's good for y'all to read it together, and say it like you mean it. 
For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The words are a little different than that, but that's okay. We, it's, it's the prayer that, that God has, uh, that we have been taught through Christ. We have to begin with our Father because it is an intimate relationship that we have with God. At least I hope it is for you. That's what we want for you. This relationship between a father and a child, not that of an angry God or a God who is distant or who is just apathetic to what you have going on in your life, but of a father who can be approached on an intimate basis. A father who... I remember like when I was a little girl and I, I would hurt my knee or something, I would look for mom, but I would also look for dad. After mom fixed my knee, I would go find dad and I would say, Daddy, I hurt my knee. And I'd curl up in his lap and he'd put his arms around me and he'll say, you're going to be okay. I love you. And I'll never forget my dad doing that. He would make everything okay. Christianity... We often see it as individualistic, but primarily it's not a personal. It's, it, we're a brotherhood. We're a family. We're a sisterhood. We, we come together. We have Christ as our Savior in our hearts as people, but we also have Christ in our hearts as people. And this prayer doesn't begin with my father. I don't, I don't go to God and say, Maria's father. It's our father. This is meant to unite us, to see, to remind us that we're not alone. Not just in the sense that God is with us, but we're not alone because we have people around us and we are united by a common thread. In Psalm 81.10, God invites us to open our mouths and he will fill it. Christ gives us these words to fill our mouth. Jeremiah 33.3, God's telephone number. Call me. I will answer you. I will tell you great things which you do not know. But if we're not in a submissive approach to God and if we're not in a way that we come seeking that deeper relationship, often we're going to miss hearing some of those things we don't know. Throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament, there are very infrequent references made to God as Father. And there's a reason for that. When we get to the New Testament, we have Christ who comes. Christ who reminds us that he is the Son. That we can have relationship with God through him. And that he wants us to know God as Father. He tells us his Father in Heaven is good. That his Father in Heaven has a plan for us. That his Father in Heaven has paved the way for forgiveness of our sins. For reconciliation. For restoration. And for us to be able to have relationship with God, to walk every single day knowing that God is with us. Jesus refers to God as Father 60 times in the New Testament. 
more than any other name. He refers to him as king, master, sovereign, judge, creator, commander, shepherd, but his preference is father. In biblical terms, father means a couple of things. First of all, it's, 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 our, it's a term of origin, a paternity. This is our creator, God, the heavenly father, who we are praying to. He's the source from whom all blessings flow, as we sing in the doxology. Acts 17, 25 says, In him we live and move and have our being, our ultimate origin is from God. God is a paternal authority. Has your parent ever said to you, and everybody in this room, I think, is going to be able to say yes to this. Has your parent ever looked at you and said, because I said so? Amen? Yeah, that can be an amen with your eyes rolling. That's okay. But it's true. He is God. We are not. He's running the show. He's in charge. He loves us unconditionally, but we can't use that as an excuse to just go get away with whatever we want to go get away with, as much as we might like to. But he loves us. He disciplines us because he loves us. He calls us to repentance because he loves us and to confession because he loves us. In biblical terms, calling someone a father meant that you saw them as a person of loving, kindness, and care. There's a term in the Old Testament called hased. It's a term that can be translated into different ways, but loving kindness and faithfulness are at the heart of that word, and it's at the heart of God. It's the love that keeps going. No matter what you do, no matter how bad you blow it, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. He doesn't let his children go. We hear in Galatians 4 the story of an heir versus a slave. And we hear how both the heir and the slave in the master's house, both are taken care of. Both are fed, both are housed, both are clothed, both are, both are treated well in the master's house. But the heir has that tie that is unshakable. We are adopted as sons and daughters of God. We have that relationship that makes it an unshakable connection. A relationship that if, 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 if God will love all of creation, how much more will he love his children? In Hebrews 12, we hear of the, the discipline that a child un, undergoes because of the fact that the father loves him. If, if your parent, let me tell you kids, took me 47 years, not quite that long to get this, but but it's a hard lesson that you will keep learning throughout your whole life. If your parents discipline you, it means they love you. If they give you a curfew, it means they love you. If they make you do your homework or brush your teeth or comb your hair 
or learn financial management, whatever it is, it's because they love you. I see lots of parents hugging on kids. (laughs) But it's true. I have a friend who, um, he and his dad undertook the father-son Pinewood Derby Challenge. And his dad was an engineer. So he knew he was going to have a car to beat. And as the time neared, my friend couldn't wait to get to the Pinewood Derby. And he got there and he walked in and, you know, he's, his shoulders are out and his chest is puffed out. And he's like, I'm taking a look at that big trophy over there. I'm taking that home. And about that time, a child from the neighborhood, foster child, comes in. Didn't have anybody to build a car with him. And my friend looked at his dad because before, he, before his dad could even say it, he knew exactly what his father was going to do. What do you think he did? He gave the, the car to the other child. And my friend did not understand that. That car won. The other child got to take the trophy home. And my friend was mad at his dad for a long, long time until he realized that his father was teaching him compassion and love for his neighbor and a reminder that we are loved with a great love, that we can be brought into that love by what we do, by where we are, by how we treat other people. And he said it was one of the greatest lessons his father could have given him because if he had won the trophy, it would have collected dust. It might be in a closet. He might still have it. He might not. But as it is, he remembers the lesson to love those around you, especially when they might not have something that they need. It's a simple statement. Our Father, who art in heaven. But it's true. He is our Father. He's in heaven, and by that I don't just mean some starry, celestial place far beyond the clouds that we can't see. I mean the center of authority for everything. I can remember as a child drawing pictures of God on a throne on a cloud with stars all around him, and and we all have our view of heaven, but heaven is the center of everything, and that is where the, the one true God, the authority, sits. And it is because he sits there that we can go to him in prayer and know our prayer is going to be heard and know that when his will is done, that it's the right thing because he sees far more than we do he knows far more than we do and his love surpasses any and every thing when we come as a congregation and we say the Lord's Prayer we are reminded when we say our Father who art in heaven we are reminded that the things that we bring in The things that we carry, I brought in things that are weighing heavy on my heart this morning. I'm sure each of you did. 
But when we pray those words, we are reminded that we are part of a much bigger family. And we don't just come praying for ourselves. We come praying on behalf of people, not just here in our community, not just here in our family of faith and in our neighborhoods and in our, our city and our county and, our, and beyond, but we pray for people around the world. It's a prayer for us to come before the one who loves us. We don't pray alone. And we don't pray to one whose authority is weak or compromised, but we pray to one whose name is hallowed. Now, that sounds like a big word. In the Hebrew, it's kadesh. And if, it was referred, if something was referred to as kadesh, kadesh, it was holier than one kadesh. But God, when referring to God, they referred to God as Kadesh, Kadesh, Kadesh. You can't be more holy than that. In the Greek, the word is Hagias. It's where we get our term holy. It's where we get our term hallowed. In the Latin, it's Sanctus. You might have heard Sanctus, 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 especially if you've been to a choral presentation or to, to an Easter, to a cantata. Um, we know it as holy. It mattered what you named your child in biblical times. It still matters. I'm glad to see that when somebody finds out they're expecting, the first thing they want to do is pull out the baby name book. They want to put a stamp on this child's life that means they're set apart for something. Isaac means Laughter. Abraham, father of many. We could go on about the names and the meanings, but they would often speak. And, and how we treat the name of God says an awful lot about how we view God. For if his name is holy, if we treat it like it's holy, we know that he is holy. And he is holy Regardless, but until we recognize it in our hearts, we're not going to get that deep relationship. We're not going to build those roots. We're not going to dig in and find a connection to God in prayer or anything else until we recognize that God is Kadesh, Kadesh, Kadesh. We climb to a new level of respect for God when we say that his name is holy. We climb to a new level of relationship with God when we come before him knowing that his name reflects his character. Throughout the years, he's been known as El Shaddai, Jehovah, Adonai, Jesus Christ. The complete and full revelation of God in Jesus Christ. Jesus taught us to pray hallowed be thy name. He was telling us that we need to make the presence of God very real in our hearts and in our lives. To put the stamp on God that we know when we refer to God that we are coming before the holy of holies. We're not just like, hey, yo God, what's up? 
beautiful weather today. It's our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. God has a name, and it's holy, and he wants us to praise him, and we can praise him through the Lord's Prayer just like we can praise him in worship and praise him in our lives, and he will not force us to praise him. It's one of the beauties of this prayer is that we come and we are willing. Robin Yount is a Major League Baseball player who made it into the Hall of Fame, and he was speaking at a prison one day, and he was telling them to be encouraging, to do things to better themselves, to lift up their, their brother, their, their cellmate, their, the guy down the hall, the guard, whoever they came into contact with. And he was telling them how when he was young and somebody saw him at a baseball game, they came up and they said, you know what, you did really well with that. Now, I don't mean everybody who does really well in a little league game is going to end up being a major league baseball star. But somebody believed in him, and he was able to continually build on that and build on that. And he had people saying, you know what, I'm seeing this gift. You have this gift. You know, just like I see this in another person, I see this in you. After he was done talking, one of the prisoners came up to him, and he said, you know what, my story is just like yours. And he said, you're in the Hall of Fame? And the prisoner said, no, I'm in jail. But I was told from the time I was five years old that I would never be anything. I was told from the time that I was five years old that I was stupid and I couldn't learn and I was not worth the oxygen I breathed. And so I did everything I could to prove them right. There is power in our words, and there is power in our prayers. In the Lord's Prayer, when we say our Father, we, we remember that we have a sense of community, of family, that we are not alone. When we say who art in heaven, we remember that, that God sits on the throne, the throne. No throne is higher and he can sit on the throne of our hearts. And when we say that his name is holy, it echoes that authority of him sitting on that throne. It echoes the place where he has come to love us, I loved that you sang the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> when we get it in different ways and we hear it in different ways, it breaks through in new ways. I hope that over the next few weeks, you break through with a new level of contact with God. The one true God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be the bridge between us and God, to be our Savior, to bring us a love that is greater than any love we will ever know.
a love that is the foundation of our lives, one that gives us roots.